0: Welcome Boomexers! Let's throw out the old playbook. It's time to tear down the traditional way of looking at your life and money and leverage the laws of money to our advantage. That's right there are laws of money and those who learn and leverage the laws of money win and sometimes win big. Stay tuned as Asset Protection Attorney Daryl Tuttle Educator and leader of the Boomex Nation shows us how. Beginners, investors, entrepreneurs, fellow attorneys. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's arm this bomb. Now, here's the Boomex Show. The Laws of Money. Welcome to the Boomex Show Laws of Money podcast. I'm your host, Daryl Tuttle. And I got to say, boy, did I open up a can of worms. Yesterday, I decided to send an email that had been recommended to me to send seven months ago, and I had recorded the second episode of the Boom Show Laws of Money podcast about the death of my father. That particular episode was recorded six hours after I learned of his death and is. Only my reflections, visceral reaction uh, uh, about the news. I did not have a close relationship with my father. and so the Adobe Audition recording software rolled and I spoke nonstop for that entire episode. And it is as I spoke it, there have been no edits. And I showed shared that episode with my a friend of mine who I trust and has good opinions about things, because I woke up the next morning and I thought to myself, oh my goodness, did I really assail all that? I mean, aren't there rules about respect for the recently deceased while well, be struck by lightning? And uh, I felt self-conscious. Um, I've always been kind of a direct person. However, I also greatly value etiquette. But uh, I published it, and her feedback was, oh, my goodness, that was so powerful. You've got to send to your email list a link to that episode so they can hear it. And then you need to follow up every single week with a story of settling everything and your reaction and how does probate work in general and and state administration so that people— can learn now my initial reaction was heck no <laughs> what's wrong with you i'm not gonna try to monetize my father's death and and i didn't i i in fact not only did i not do that the event of his death caused uh, a long sequential analysis of estate planning in in america today and my place in it and decided to essentially close my law firm that I, you know, I've run, I've owned this firm and operated it since 1996. I've had one job as an adult and not because of my father's death. That only prompted the train of thought that led to bravery, like, like taking the action, the bold statement of thinking and looking at the way we deliver legal services in a new way. And it's frightening because you rely upon, I don't care how, how, how brave you think you are and what great accomplishments you think you have accomplished. Of course, there's going to be some foreboding apprehension anxiety even as you wonder, like, how will I make income? <laughs> you know, and how will my... Okay, I forgot to turn off the volume of my computer. Did you hear that little sound in the background? That was the sound I have been hearing all day long. Reactions to the email that I sent. They're still coming in uh, the next the, you know 24 hours later. And the the email that I sent that has prompted this flooding of my inbox with a messaging oh my goodness Daryl I here's my story here's the relationship I had with my father he too made life difficult he too failed to be a family leader just it's actually I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed I have never in my life communicated I mean I make a living talking I'm a lawyer all lawyers make a living selling words that's what we do and with a podcast And writing and blogging, I in fact, there's an app that I use when I write. It's called Grammarly. It's a great app. It it is more enhanced than the correction and and spelling error type application that comes that you're used to on Microsoft Word or whatever. And I'm a fan of this app. Um, I've upgraded to the premium. It's that good, and it has been helping me. But basically, I use it because my brain goes faster than my fingers. And behind my racing cursor, there is just carnage related to the proper spelling of words that I don't care. I use the app to see there's another one. Did you hear that? <laughs> like, I, it's literally another response to this email. I'm going to let that thing play so we can just kind of see how 9 o'clock at night, there's still this inpouring of communication about relating to tragedy. But back to Grammarly, what I did not know about Grammarly is not only was it helping me correct typos, it was analyzing my writing and then giving me a report card back. And uh, I get get the report, I don't know, maybe it's monthly, and it says, I've always been about 95, 96%. I am more productive than 96% of other Grammarly users, like all of the users that they have. I'm like, wow, that's, that means I talk a lot, right? And I use more unique words than 96% of the users. Now keep in mind that the Grammarly application only is only tracking the words that I type when I'm on the internet. It does not track the words that I type when I'm using a desktop application such as Word or whatever. In the last 12 months, I've typed over 1.1 million words. (laughs) I don't know. That sounds like a lot to me. And never in 1.1 million words in 12 months have I ever written anything that has been as impactful as the email that I sent. And um, it's quite inspiring to me, but you know what I hear is, Daryl, you're so brave. Of course, I don't feel brave. Sometimes I feel the opposite of brave, but I think what they mean is like you are opening a discussion. These are almost the exact words of a message that came in about 20 minutes ago you were opening up a much-needed discussion, and I'm like, "Well, you're right. I I have never in my life heard anybody publicly just say it. My parent, who's passed, was a jerk. <laughs> like you know, it's okay to say that. It's okay to share that." And um, people who had loving parents who have done things correctly, of course, they don't. They can't relate to that, really. I mean, um, I'm not saying it's—I'm actually kind of curious. I mean, based on the emails I'm getting into my inbox, it's a much bigger demographic than I had previously thought. Now, the the thing that I'm curious about is are people— there's emotional carnage, but there's also financial carnage. Um, the message that came in 20 minutes earlier had, had indicated that when the father died, the family leader, he had done no estate planning, and the family was left in financial chaos. There was only a meager life insurance policy. He died young and unexpected, and mom had fallen into a deep state of depression which is only natural and it changed the course of that of that family if you listen to episode 3 that's exactly what happened to my family when at age 3 I witnessed my grandfather die and um, you know when one of the things that really wore me down as an attorney was like I felt like I was. I mean, I can be a persuasive person. I I am above average at least. I mean, I I think so. My my practice was very successful, so I had a skill set of persuading people to take action. But yet, it was a tug of war. It was like a a mental and emotional exertion to to help a family leader get to, yes, I want to hire you to install an asset protection plan. And at the time, sometimes I found it fun, I admit it, to try to convince somebody of anything. Over time, it, it, it just became exhausting. It shouldn't have been that difficult because as between I mean, it's clear from my perspective based on my own family history and the, I mean, how many clients have I seen suffer and pass away in their 80s or from disease or from in my, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I have been an objective observer of that process for decades and consider myself an expert in death. And so I know what the consequences is of this attitude that is resistant to, I guess what, spending money or um, uh, dealing with a white collar professional. I mean, I don't understand fully the mentality. But gosh darn it, (laughs) The, the messaging confirms my own observation that that mentality is in a sense, is victimizing family. I have decided to change the format of my podcast in a slight modification. Every uh, podcast episode, I had intended to have a law of money sequentially and then a companion course. So there's a companion course to this podcast, The companion course is free, and the idea is when Jack Tarr comes out and says the first law of money is you can't take it with you. Well, that's a quaint expression that we've heard countless times that is just trying to draw attention to the folly of materialism. However, there are actually rules of law law, like the code, that backs that statement up, and there are two in particular one is the most generous provision in the tax code. Well, you can't explain that provision in 100 podcasts. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, you have to put a little bit of effort into it. And so the companion course is my show notes. The companion course also includes, like, what law are you talking about, Daryl? I want to know how to avoid hundreds of thousands of dollars in capital gains taxation if you think i'm kidding earlier today i had a meeting with a family and on the table was four hundred thousand dollars of tax that was inevitable if we did not account for capital gains in the context of aging and long-term care costs and you know you're down in the weeds when you have something like that but if you know the law you can reach down into it and pull out these little hidden gems And so the companion course is designed to be a little more educational and less entertaining (laughs) than the podcast. I'm not sure that the podcast is entertaining, but I'm trying my best because I'm telling you something. It is not easy to make a legal topic of any sort interesting because lawyers, man, we just cannot think and act like normal people. So the podcast course is out there. Go check it out. You can go to boomexshow.com. There's a link right to the free companion course. Yay! However, that does not speak to the greatest obstacles to the law, and that is the human brain. I mean, um, I can think of two cases in which um in both cases, a little old lady, husband died, woman's in her 80s, and to avoid, in one case, it was over $500,000 in tax, there were some steps necessary to fund a tax-saving trust. You don't need to know that detail, but there was a decision, lawyers call it, this is the difference between normal people and lawyers. Lawyers call it post-mortem planning. Okay, so postmortem, that is Latin. <laughs> It means planning after you die. Why don't you just say that? Like, we have this option available when your husband dies. But no, we have to say post-mortem planning. No wonder nobody likes attorneys. There are attorneys that listen to this podcast, so they know what I'm talking about because we had a—it's a disclaimer trust. Well, who the heck? I mean, come on. It's the pull the pin—pull the trigger, rather— when it happens, trust, <laughs> like wait and see, contingency. And so in two cases, you know, so Myrtle, your husband died. Do you want to save $500,000 in tax? All we have to do is step one, step two, step three. In two cases, with full cognition, the widows decided, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay a, pre- a $500,000 premium to not be inconvenienced. Well, that's perfectly fine because you have made a well-informed decision in which you analyzed your family, the hoops you had to go through, and at a certain point, you know you have to leave it behind and your kids are independently wealthy themselves. I support that 100%. Now, that is almost a life lesson. It's not a rule of law. I mean, sure. We talked about tax savings. We talked about disclaimer. We talked about postmortem planning, which is 100% legal. However, on the human being side of it, she had a decision to make that was emotional, right? And so one of my goals on, on the show is like, what are the obstacles to intelligent, mature, responsible decision making? Like why is it that Chief Justice Warren Burger of the United States Supreme Court, the late Just Chief Justice, died without an estate plan? How, how is that even possible? Lost 40% of his estate of the estate to probate and estate tax. Back then the estate tax credit amount was very low. And I mean, there's no indication of his thought process. So one is left to just, like, wonder. Why did my father fail? Why did my grand? Why are all these people flooding my inbox, describing the consequences to them because another person didn't do something and was also a jerk? (laughs) My dad was a jerk.com. Um, and so here's one. If you are a—I I have become interested in, like, the psychology of getting to yes. And so I read articles and as recreation. Um, my th- original thought process was I'm going to under- try to understand the psychology so I can increase the number of people I convince to stop— doing nothing and protect their family. I closed my law firm, so now I'm, I'm interested in it as a subject matter. Like, wh- why is it that people f- fail when presented with an opportunity to walk through the process with a professional step-by-step? Step? Um, and don't I know what you're thinking. I have accounted for the fact that they just didn't like me. <laughs> like, my, my, I didn't, my, my shoes weren't the right color, or my tie, you know, whatever. However, here's one for you. How to make a correct decision decisively. Now, uh, there is a personality type. I think I'm going to say that there are four personality types just to make it simple. And um, the mind map that I have, one of the personality types that that I look for is a, a very strictly linear thinker and not to pick on engineers right now there are people chuckling in their cars and on the treadmill in the gym because they either are an engineer or married to one and they know exactly how this conversation is going to finish but there are some people whose minds and their intelligence have to understand a problem as if it were a system of physics or engineering step one, all the way to the end, and become paralyzed more or less until they have sequentially walked through what they view to be the steps and reach the conclusion. Physics, by the way, is the only discipline that can accurately predict the future. Law law and physics, that's a bad combination because the law does not look forward one second, really, I mean, the law itself, to the future. Because we we are looking to the past and leveraging statutes that have already been written and court opinions and cases that we rely on as mandatory interpretation of law. All that occurred in the past. The law looks backwards. Physics, if I shoot a cannon out of this cannon at a velocity with the wind, and they can tell you where the cannonball will be in the physical universe at some point in the future. That's amazing. Now, physics is sequential. Fire, you know, they have formulas for that. The law is a patchwork of chaos. Federal law, state law, city law, common law back to the Middle Ages, and so it becomes difficult for a linear thinker to get to yes because they want order and the law is controlled chaos. So here's a exercise that I developed to help the linear thinker make the correct decision. It goes like this. Imagine the client's name is Bob. I say Bob because in one day last year, I had two consultation meetings with two gentlemen. They were both named Bob. They were both engineers. Yes, that was a particularly bad day for me. (laughs) And the two Bob's engineers who just couldn't get to yes, they are like the motivation of this uh, mental map, this, what could I call it, a decision-making model that Is actually pretty effective and it goes like this when I see that my clients like you know the case is going the consultation is leading to the point where a decision the decision is going to be I need more information which means no I've got to think about it which means no or no when you see that happen I look at Bob the Bob the new Bob in front of me the linear thinker and I say Bob you have one earth minute to live. Here's why. You woke up this morning, went downstairs to make a cup of coffee like you do every single morning, and the doorbell rang. You're like, what the heck? Who's ringing my bell of my front door so early in the morning? And so you're half asleep, You haven't even had your coffee yet. You go to the front door. When you open it, this Chilled wind passes through you and you notice that the porch lights out and all the street there must be a power adage, but there's light in the kitchen. You shrug your shoulders, assume it's some kind of prank or you just didn't hear it correctly. You shut the door, begin to walk back to the kitchen, and bam, you are on your knees. The only thing that you can see is the hardwood floor tiling in front of you planks and a drop of sweat falls from your forehead sploosh and you look at it as a deep pain sharp and intense hits you in your chest for the second time you ask the question am i having a heart attack you feel better you eventually walk into the kitchen only to discover that there are two phantom-like figures pouring themselves coffee from your coffee pot. One is the angel of death. And the angel of death, by the way, is exactly as you imagine. Cloaked, skeletal, a instrument of death, gripped in its bony hands. The other angel seems a little odd. This angel introduces herself and says... And, and when when the angel of mercy, she said, "I'm the angel of mercy," and you have, we have a problem. We want to discuss it with you. You can like see and feel the angel of death, like rolling its eyes, like oh God, here we go again. <laughs> and so the angel of mercy explains, "You have one minute to live. I have put in front of you a bell. Now, you, God has shown mercy." Through my prompting and pleading, God has decided to show compassion for your surviving spouse. If you ring that bell before you pass away in one minute, you will enter a, into a contract with God, and God will send the angel of protection with his big, massive sword and guard all of your assets that you have in a vault that no evil force, IRS, Medicaid, mismanagement, judgments from lawsuits can ever reach that vault. That money will be 100% secure because nobody is getting past the angel of protection. Even the angel of death is afraid of that dude. Now, in order to make this happen, I had to convince God to only offer it to people who could make a decision. And so, the price that you will pay if you ring the bell is simply this. 1% of your net worth will be deducted from your accounts as soon as you ring it as the fee that the angel of mercy collects for putting this all together for you. You have 50 seconds to live. 45. 40. The first time I tried this, I am not kidding you. My client reached out and started writing the check. Now, I'm not saying that to boast. I'm not saying that to, um, you know, like high five, I closed the sale because I, I didn't feel that way. I was, however, happy that I had simply done this. When you do not give the linear thinker all of this, time to map out a step-by-step system because of the time limit, the choice is obvious. Like, no rational person would make any other decision. One percent is nothing. Protecting your spouse, I got to go, I love her. In that moment, everything that is valuable and important to you becomes crystal clear. Now, sadly, If we made the time frame an hour, I don't know because I'm making this up, but an hour. Like that's an uh, electrical engineer. You're giving that person an hour to think. Electrical engineers, for the most part, should stop thinking. Now, I think most electrical, even, even, even that mindset would hopefully feel love and compassion for their spouse and would realize, okay, 1% deducted, amortized. Maybe there's a deduction on the table here. So, <laughs> you know, right? And so I think an hour. But I think if if you if the angel of mercy gave the, per- the person a year, I think the answer, there would be a lot of I'll wait and see, or I got to think about it. Maybe there's a better offer on the table. But I'm not kidding. But one minute, everyone has the right decision. And so... Um, I have not yet found the angel of mercy. If I do, I am definitely going to hire her uh, to help me increase my sales by getting clients to eat. (laughs) Yes. I hope that helps. I don't know. But just think about as you approach your money and your family and your wealth, what is important? Like, Like, it's family. I mean, the most important thing is family and wealth, financial wealth, is only important if it correctly transfers to your family within a system that helps the family generationally. And that's where it is. I'm, I'm, to the point, the enemy of family wealth is family leaders who are jerks, like my father, or people who just stop thinking about it, move forward. If you look at like the Rockefeller family and the Kennedys and great generational families, they don't view money at all for example it's a time frame thing if we lived in the middle ages average life expectancy is 25 years old like if you're 19 and you have six more years to live your approach to life and the decisions you make are completely different than if you're 95 am i right with so much time the decisions become different if you start to think about money as not something that passes to my, to my spouse, which, which is hard enough. I mean, most Americans in this wealth-obsessed culture cannot think about wealth even past their own lifetime. The wise ones, okay, I also need to include my spouse. Like, what will her retirement income be per month guaranteed after I die? That's pretty staggering to get somebody to think that way. And throughout my entire career, career, I've made the mistake of thinking about, like, how do we put together essential documents, set up a trust for the kids? I'm only thinking one generation out when I do that. If I started thinking about and prompted you to think about wealth as family wealth, to finance your vision, your morals, your values for seven generations, the decisions that you made about money would be completely different. You cannot take it with you. Why wouldn't you think seven generations out? Like the, the great wealthy families. My family has always been wealthy. And sometimes we've had money. That is an amazing sentiment. You now have 10 seconds to live, what is your decision?